Hello and welcome to the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castro. Here is always my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? All right. All right. I mean, pretty dreary out. Rainy, gross, kind of kind of disgusting. Um, but otherwise, yeah, good weekend. Got to celebrate my birthday finally. Got to have some nice lobster tails and a little surf, a little turf. Any grub drinking? No, 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 that was banned. That 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 <laughs> item of that item of food was banned from my party. Um, got to play a little cornhole, got to drink some beers, got to smoke some cigars. Great time, great time. All while listening to Kenny Chesney. So it couldn't get much better than that for me. How how Suffolk County of you? That is the most Suffolk County party I've ever heard in my entire life. Hey, you know what? You can take the man out of Suffolk County, but you can't take Suffolk County out of the man. Correct. How are you, Adam? How was your weekend? It was good. I got a haircut, so that's fun. Looking um, stylish. Thank you. Uh, I also watched the Tampa Bay Winers lose the Stanley Cup final to the Avalanche because, they, seriously, they whine, they complain after every single goal and just after every single play that doesn't go their way. So could you could you explain something to me? What happened with Kucherov? Like, what's the controversy going around with Kucherov? So I think what happened was is that he was going back to – so, okay, at the end of the game, there was an icing that everybody thought was an icing, but then the ref was like, fuck this, I need to go home. Okay. Or maybe – the or maybe they were too slow to the puck, uh, and they waved off the icing. The the, the ref needed to go home. Probably. Yeah. So the ref so they, I understand. So they waved off the icing. Yeah. And Kucherov was going back to the bench. And I think he was getting going to get a new stick. And the trainer didn't have the stick, didn't have a stick for him. So he got really mad and he threw his glove, I think is the theory that's running around the internet now. Threw his glove at somebody? I guess so. Or he just what threw his glove a in anger. Petulant child. I don't know. Well, I mean, it was like 20 seconds left in the game, and they're you know, they're trying to get get a get a goal to tie. But yeah. Still. Yeah. What an absolute baby. I, I, he was just very mad at the equipment manager or the equipment staff. Yeah, but it's one it's one thing to yell. It's another thing to throw something at somebody. That is grand that is the behavior of a five-year-old. Granted, I mean, it was a pretty far away camera angle, and like it wasn't zoomed in. You could kind of see a throwing motion a little bit, but I don't know what it was. You lose you lose the Stanley Cup final. You, you won two in a row, but because you lose one after winning two in a row, doesn't mean you're allowed to just throw your toys out the pram. Number one bullshit. Children. Uh, absolute child. Children. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. And my my long-lost family, Stan and Josh Cronkey. Great people. Great, great, great people. More more money coming in that they could uh that they could put towards the Arsenal uh transfer kitty. You love to see it. Yeah, that's been a great year for the Cronkies. I mean, seriously. <laughs> We're next. They get they're they We're got next. the host. They got to host a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, and they won the Stanley Cup. All that's missing is for the Nuggets to win the to have won the NBA Finals and the Rapids to have won the MLS Cup. That's it. And Arsenal to win the Premier League. Yeah, forget about that. 
And Arsenal in the Premier League. Of course, we're going to win the Premier League with Pep Guardiola's secret weapon, Gabriel Jesus. Of course. Well, I bet you, I bet you Stan Kroenke, Stan Kroenke was probably told that Arsenal are signing Jesus, not Jesus. And that's what made him say, all right, I'll give you 50 million for him. Fuck it. Religion is important and nowadays. So, yeah, a, you can sign Jesus. Go for it. What a masterclass by TP. Just a masterclass in getting value from players that you actually don't want. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is going to score 20 goals. I can't fucking wait for it. Okay. Can anyway, have, we're going to have two thirds of the Braz- starting Brazilian attack for the World Cup at Arsenal. Yeah, well, the third, the one, the guy that you're missing is kind of important to the Brazilian attack. Probably more important than those two guys. Well, there's no, there's no guarantee that he's even going to make the World Cup. So, why not? He could tear his groin before all we know, or pop a hammy, and then it'll be it'll be Gabby Martinelli, and we'll have three of three, <laughs> and I will be all Brazil for the World Cup. Yeah. Also, did you? I will, be, well, I will be the biggest Brazil fan on the planet. Going back to hockey real quick. I mean, you didn't see it because you were inebriated. But I actually, boy, was, I actually was pretty. I, I wasn't sober, but I wasn't inebriated. You were tipsy. I had Let's a nice go buzz that. going. I, I had a nice buzz going. Let's be generous. Say tipsy. Ah, um, I would even say tipsy. Tipsy. Tipsy and buzz. That was that was being silly. Okay, buzzed. So our friend Ryan McDonough had like one of the dirtiest hits I've ever seen. Also, it was like textbook boarding and he only got two minutes for it. He, it was. Who, who, who was the board on? Uh, it was on, I forget who on Colorado it was on. Well, off the top of my head. Well, and first of all, uh, Ryan McDonough is not a friend of mine anymore. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, him and I him, him and I are no are no longer friends. Maybe maybe someday we can uh, we can explore rekindling that friendship, but as of as of right now, Ryan McDonough and I are are no longer friends. Um I don't know exactly if I can find actually what it was the penalty, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But anyway, it's a dirty hit. And then Pat Maroon sla- slashing Josh Manson's thigh or whatever, and he broke his stick after the goal after the second goal was scored because of some bullshit. Because they well, are you well, su- they, are you surprised it's Pat Maroon? I know because Tampa Bay wanted like a holding or a hooking, even though Pierre Edward Belmar was holding. I think it was Kale McCarr's stick or whoever was in that play. And yeah, it was just, it was awful. I mean, I don't know. Tampa Bay in that game, they just behaved like children. And I hate it. They are children. They are children. They lost. They threw their toys out the pram. Yeah. But congratulations. Congratulations to the Avs. Congratulations to my extended family, Stan and Josh Crockett. I'm just happy for Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Planskog, and Nazem Kadri that they want to, that they want to stand the cup. I'm very happy for the owners of Arsenal Football Club. I'm very happy for them. Yeah, 
because the success the success yeah. of one the success of one in KSC is the success of everybody. It's hard to believe that the Avs had one of the worst seasons in recent memory only six years ago. Yep. And it's all because Patrick Waugh rage quit up, but still. Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick is a genius. Yeah. He really is. Uh, God bless you, Stan. God bless well, you, Well, I mean, it's good that they had that season because it got them the Con Smythe, the, the Con Smythe winner. That horrible season. True. But anyway, enough about other sports. Let's move on and talk about the NFL. Football, fantasy football. And we're going to do something interesting. You know, Bird pitched this idea to me uh, over the weekend. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like fun. Let's do it. So what is this, Bird? So basically, I, I had heard this. Um, actually, I saw this on a thread on Twitter. And there were a couple of other podcasts that were doing this um, with people that have been doing or have been updating ranks. And it basically is it's just an opinion sort of show where it's a self-reflection sort of thing where you're going through your ranks and you're finding players that potentially you think you may have too high in your ranks. And then you're going through and you're finding players think you have too low in your ranks. So what we did is we're just, what I did is I'm going one by one through each position. I'm giving one guy that I think is too high from, from each position. And I'm going to give one guy that I think is too low from each position. And we're going to sit here and we're going to discuss. So basically I'm, you're enlisting me to help you update your ranks. For only one, for only two players per position. Correct. Correct. And I so, did, yeah. I did make a pretty sizable move in my ranks for anybody that is uh, remotely interested. Um, I did put Dalvin Cook into my top six. I moved him. Above Joe Mixon, I moved him above Cooper Cup. So that, in my so what what kind of brought that change up? Um, I'm just becoming more of a believer in Dalvin Cook under uh, Kevin O'Connell in that Minnesota Vikings offense. Uh, I'm really getting a vibe that looking at the numbers from Dalvin Cook a year ago, he had a great year. Is two biggest layup games where he is going to absolutely smash the ceiling. He missed a year ago and he plays in those games. He probably were talking as, you know, nine, 10 touchdown guy. So I'm just a believer that Dalvin cook is just being slept on a little bit. Um, and now I'm going to put him in that, in that group with the rest of the running backs, Najee, Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor. I'll, I'll put, I'll put him there. I'm just not ready to put him above Najee. Um, especially after the report this weekend when Mike Tomlin uh, came out and said that Najee Harris could be in line uh, to be a 270, 275 carry back, which, I mean, if that's the case and he can, he could be that, I mean, holy smokes, will he be, will he be just so, so, so good for fantasy? I mean, I, I have him down for 290, but if you, if you got the coach coming out and saying that he's going to be a 275 carry back, he, he could realistically push 300 carries and then you include maybe he gets 50, 60 catches. You could talking a 350, 360 touch guy. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic to get 
in, I mean, he could potentially be the RB one, depending on what he does with all that work. I mean, there there are definite concerns that people have with the offense, and 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 I understand that there are people who are going to say that they may be limited in terms of their red zone chances. They may not get as many red zone trips because of the uncertainty at the quarterback position, which are, are very fair and, and, and obvious concerns, but you got to also buy the talent. And, and as Najee proved last year, Najee was, was fantastic, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty close now between uh, Derek Henry, Najee Harris and Dalvin cook. They're, they're pretty similar for me. You know, if we're talking about, you know, the six running backs, it's like you have Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey at one, two, three in like a one A tier. And then Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook in like a one B sort of tier. And I actually heard something um, over the weekend, which I thought was very, very interesting that. There is I'm trying to word this where it's it's accurate enough and something that people can relate to. So I have a buddy that it's, it's the weatherman of the basement talk podcast, Jared Fentione. Great guy. Great guy. We love him here. So he's in our, in our keeper league. He has the number one pick and he, he doesn't have a lot in terms of keeper potential. Like, I think he's looking at keeping Joe Mixon in the second and Darnell Mooney in, like, the eighth. And he's got the number one pick. Jonathan Taylor would be the reasonable selection. But Correct. he just he doesn't feel good about his team. Like, he doesn't feel good about what prospects that it has. So him and I were just, you know, spitting shit, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. And he had said to me that he's considering taking Christian McCaffrey number one overall. And just going for it. And I said to him, I, I thought about it. And I'm like, you know, and obviously this won't, this won't work for a redraft. I mean, it could. Well, it he could. has Joe Mixon already. Like, that's a guaranteed lock as a keeper. So I guess that he's mitigating the risk somewhat with taking McCaffrey. No, what he's doing is he's just, he's just going to hope that Christian McCaffrey plays four or five weeks and then if he wants to tank, he decides to tank. And he can get significant long-term assets for McCaffrey and significant long-term assets for Mixon for a team that's trying to compete for a championship this year. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of brilliant. It's not it's a bad idea. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, it's just, just trying it's to super... draft for potential value. And, and we talked about this in the last show that you don't necessarily want to tr- want to draft for trade value, but in a long-term league with implications to go beyond this year, like a keeper, or if you're in a startup dynasty league. Yeah. Like that makes a ton of sense where you can draft for the, for the assets. And, you know, if you get a McCaffrey and McCaffrey goes and he has four good weeks, McCaffrey's going to be the talk of fucking fantasy and people are going to want to trade for him. Well, I think, you know, I, I did have that whole rant about, or not even a rant, just like a whole uh, monologue about how trading, drafting players for the sole intention of trading them, like your first, your priority for that player is to trade them. Like, I don't agree with that in redraft, obviously. But I mean, I could see the appeal or I could see the logic 
in Keeper or Dynasty, but I, I still wouldn't necessarily do it just because if you're in a Keeper, I think like trying to build through the draft, you can get some good value from if you draft somebody like McCaffrey and he hits or so, somebody like Taylor. But well, I think he also... really... Go ahead, go ahead. So but I think really the value in having a sustained winner in a keeper league is finding really great players at low pick in the late rounds. Problem I mean, is he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of late picks. Oh, he trade, he, he traded a ton of picks. Well, so that is some additional context strapped. that is helpful. He's strapped. So, and he, he's also not sold on Taylor. Just repeating because of the curse of, you know, RB ones and how they don't really repeat. And yep. I, and I, I understand that. I completely, completely understand that. But I, I mean, he, and he is right when he says you really do only need McCaffrey to, you know, boom for four weeks and someone's going to bite because it is McCaffrey. He, he is right. He is right. And it's like a really interesting strategy. Like it's, a, yeah, as like a thought experiment, I feel like. For us to have, I think it's a fascinating strategy because nobody else would have known if you weren't just bullshitting with them. It well, would have just been you two. Well, and and another another example of that is you know and and you know, Jake and I have talked about this on several dynasty shows that we've that we've done. You know, when you're drafting in the dynasty startup, there's two different ways to, to draft. It's you can draft for the now and try and compete year one, year two. Or you take a wing here and you build up with young assets, young players, and you try and build a juggernaut team that'll be good for six, seven years, but might take two years to get there. Like I have another buddy of mine who's in another dynasty league and he did the exact formula of winging the first two years, having a completely shit team, but drafting young players in his startup that would make his team uber competitive. And now he has a dynasty team where his anchors are Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, and Mark Andrews. That works. All guys, that he, took, that, all guys that he took chances on, with the, yep. exception of, with the exception of Andrews. Andrews, I think, was still – I think he was Mark Andrews when he drafted Mark Andrews. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, if but it like was like Swift, 20 – Jonathan Taylor, yeah. Chase, Debo, yeah. Those are young guys they took a chance on. Yeah. And it's like you want to do this the easy way that will hurt you in the long run or you want to do it the hard way that will make you better for a sustained period of time. Correct. Where the hard way is you need to actually be good at knowing which players have potential and making the, the right picks. You know, we can sit here now in 2022 and say, man, you know, Jamar Chase is like a slam dunk pick. Why wouldn't you take him in your rookie draft? Like first overall, or Jonathan, we knew, we all knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to be incredible. Why didn't you take him? You know, high with benefit of hindsight, but I think really what it is, is like, I guess the point of where I was going with this is like different philosophies, 
are you willing to put in the work and the research into getting the into picking the right players and scouting properly and things like that, or do you want to um, pick what you know and win in the immediate future? So, well, the year John the year Jonathan Taylor came out, Jonathan Taylor was not the number one pick in rookie drafts. I'm being facetious. I was being yeah, facetious, yeah, but he. I'm just saying. I mean, you got. I mean, I'm just looking at the class that he was in. It was it's, it's a loaded class. I mean, I'm just going off of you know. I'm just you know, kind of just you know, scrolling down the the rookie ranks that I, well I had for. Hold uh, on, before you go into that for 2020, yeah. I was saying like, we can say with the benefit of hindsight that oh yeah, Jonathan Taylor was an obvious pick. You should totally pick John. You should have totally picked Jonathan Taylor. We had him. We all knew that he was going to be incredible. I wouldn't say that. No, but we know. But not knowing what we know now is what I mean. I wouldn't say he was obvious then. No, no, clearly, clearly the the obvious pick and the guy that was probably in the running, you know, for number one in most rookie drafts that year was Clyde because Clyde was going to the Chiefs. Yeah. Clyde was going to the Chiefs. Everyone was obsessed with, oh, the number one running back for Patrick Mahomes, there's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he was probably the guy that was that most people were taking at the 1-1 of rookie drafts. But then, I mean, just looking at this class overall, I mean, the class is loaded. I know. Burrow, well, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Ruggs when Ruggs was a thing, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Ayuk, Jalen Rieger. Uh, this is just all guys that were just in round one. And then even round two, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, LaVisca Chenault, uh, uh, Chase Claypool, Cam Akers. Like, that, loaded. Loaded. Absolutely. We're, so I'm saying that everybody can say now in 2022 that, yeah, of course, man, I really should have done that. Like, I should have done that – I should have known that this is going to be good, that a player like Jonathan Taylor was going to be good or something like that. Like you, anybody can say that with the benefit of hindsight, you know, it's all a matter of making those guesses in real time or and making those educated guesses in real time, building your, your team together. I feel like we've kind of lost the point of what we were talking about here, but I think, you know, that's an interesting strategy by Jared just to bring it back. Um, and like everybody's gonna have a different philosophy when it comes to uh, keeper and dynasty, and very much so. uh, even redraft, and especially with the context he gave me, where Jared traded away a lot of his uh, late round picks. You know, that's what like you can do that if you want to compete, but like at some point, or you can do that if you want to compete, but like a lot of that, a lot of those teams are built off of their late round picks, just like the real ones. You know, the real NFL teams are ba- are built off of their mid to late round picks, foundationally mm-hmm. speaking. Correct. So, yeah, interesting conversation for sure. Uh, let's just move swiftly on and get into your quarterback. Who do you think is ranked? Are you going to go too high first or too low first? Um, whatever you want, Adam. Surprise me. Okay, let's start positive. Who Or actually, yeah, no, let's start positive. Who do you have too low? As in somebody you like more than your rankings? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers for sure. Um, 
I have Aaron Rodgers as my QB 10. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, we all know, or we all should know that he's got top five upside and can win his third trade MVP because he's Aaron Rodgers. That's just what he does. But of course, everyone's concerned. No Devontae Adams, unproven receivers, uh, unproven at the tight end position. I know Robert Tunyon was, was a thing um, uh, in 2021, but last year was not much of a thing. So, you know, what, what are we going to do? Um, when, how do you assess Aaron Rodgers? And really, it's Aaron Rodgers. You do kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, obviously Plus, we I talked about this. We talked about this on the regression show that Aaron yeah. Rodgers, there is a lot to be concerned with, but with where he's being drafted right now, which let me just pull up uh, NFC mock draft data. By the uh, way, Aaron, Fantasy Pros has him at 12. Fantasy Pros has him at 12. All right, so I'm higher than, than, the, than the consensus is. Um, Aaron Rodgers right now in mock data. I'll just do it. I'll do it in the last two weeks. So in the last two weeks, Aaron Rodgers is being drafted as the QB 12. I'm sorry. I, I, I think most in most leagues, right, in most leagues, people are going to be taking Aaron Rodgers as a top 10, as a top 10 quarterback. For sure. And I think if he fall if he falls out of the of the top ten, pounce, pounce, and draft him as the QB eleven or QB twelve, because of course he his his ceiling is astronomical because of his name being Aaron Rodgers, for sure. And I think that really this is an overcorrection. I I think for a lot of people we're like, well, he lost Devontae Adams, which means he's not going to be as good as he was last year when he had Devontae Adams. So we're going to rank him outside the top ten which I think is pretty nuts. Although the top 10 is pretty hard to get into because this is a pretty deep class of quarterbacks heading into 2022. Yep. Where like it, you could make an argument for every single person in the top 10 on fantasy pros right now, which are Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Jack Prescott, and Russell Wilson in that order you can make a case for every single one of those guys to be in the top 10 and even 11 at Matt Stafford. Also, you can make a case for him to be ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I agree. I agree. And for what it's worth too, uh, I did move to Sean Watson down today. I moved to Sean Watson down as my, to my QB 18. Um, I just do not think he's going to play. Probably not. So I just don't have any interest now in, really considering Deshaun Watson. Uh, I know he's being drafted as the QB 21 uh, right now. Obviously, if there's clarity on the Deshaun Watson situation and he gets less than the rumored year, then Deshaun Watson will, will, will bounce up. But I I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be playing this year. Wait, QB 21 in QB in two QB in Superflex leagues? He's or... being drafted as a 21st quarterback off the board. Well, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that makes more sense when you think about it in like 12 team and 14. Mm -hmm. But still, I don't know. I feel like they're going to, depends on your league, depends on where your league is, honestly. But, um, and the skill level, 
the skill level and familiarity with fantasy football in the NFL of your league mates, your fellow managers. But I don't see a scenario where Deshaun Watson is going to get drafted. Um, he'll be drafted in, key, in keeper and in startup dynasty. Um, but in redraft, redraft, there's, there's no reason to be drafting Deshaun Watson if he's suspended a year. He's one play. Well, I mean, same as, even if, same as Ridley. Even if we're doing this today, like we're doing a redraft league. If our draft was today, I don't think he's gonna get. I don't think he would get drafted. Oh, I do. I do. I would. I, I would draft him. Yeah, I would. I mean, there's two. There's so that's why too much risk. Where's the risk? You're taking him in probably the 14th or 15th round. That's nothing. If it doesn't pan yeah. out, odds are you're taking a 14th or a 15th round pick in any other draft and you're cutting them after week two or three anyway. So right now, we don't know any clarity about Deshaun Watson's situation, even though all signs are pointing towards it being a negative outcome. We don't know. So it's a matter of it's a lottery ticket. You, you take Deshaun Watson right now in round 14 or round 15, we're proven wrong, and Deshaun Watson's only suspended four or six games. Guess what? You have a top 10 quarterback that you took in the 14th round. Well, I'd rather, for my lottery tickets or players I pick in the, the 14th, 15th round, I'd rather uh, pick a player that we know for certain, at least, barring injury, is going to play full season. Sure. Sure, but there's no bigger definition of a lottery ticket than Deshaun Watson because you know what you know what he can be and you know what he would be if he's going to play. The problem is, like we said, we don't know if he's going to play. If Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson is going to play and you get him at round 14 or round 15, even if it is a six-game suspension, that is a guy that will lead you to the playoffs at the quarterback position. And all you need to do is find is find a guy that you can start for six weeks. And congratulations if you're 10 or 12 team leagues because those guys are easy to find. Pick up Jameis Winston, done. Pick up Tua, done. Pick up Matt Ryan, done. Start yeah, them for I, six weeks, boom, you get the Deshaun Watson then for the rest of the season, and you're chilling. Yeah, I mean, also, I'd be surprised if he's suspended less. Oh, actually, no, oh, I, I would be, be too. I would be too. I would be genuinely shocked at this rate. Although, knowing the NFL, I probably, would be, I probably wouldn't be surprised, actually, because the NFL doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. Well, but again, I, again, again, I actually would disagree on that. I do think they know what they're doing. I think they're actually reading the pulse pretty good on this one because they, they understand that a lot of people are watching this and they want they want to see what the NFL does with this. So well, I, hope, I, I hope that for, you, for someone who yeah. loves to bash the NFL for a lot of things, I actually think they're reading the pulse pretty good on this. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with either outcome, to be honest, because – Deshaun Watson deserves a year or more to for he deserves a lifetime ban, to be honest with you. But um yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either way, to be honest. Yeah, I just wouldn't be. Agreed. That's just me. All right. Who do you have who or who do you think that you have too high? Trey Lance. Trey Lance for the very simple, very simple reason of we don't know if he's even gonna start. And I'm very much buying into the hype that Lance, if he is the starter, you're looking at a guy that could really, you know, has top five upside 
at the position. But we just don't know if he's going to start because Jimmy Garoppolo is still in town. And all signs are pointing towards that if Jimmy Garoppolo is still a San Francisco 49er, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start. So I kind of think I may, I may have, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo too low in my ranks. I have him as the QB 30 and Lance as the QB 13. Garoppolo should probably be closer to 20 if he's going to be the starter and Lance should probably be closer to 30 if he's not going to be the starter. Yeah, I think we might be jumping the gun a little bit on Trey Lance. Well, the rest, the, the rest, everybody else is too. Trey Lance right now is being drafted as the QB 11. That is the collective we, I'm saying. That's, so the, I that's think, the drafters that are that are going right now. The general public is drafting Trey Lance as the QB 11. So That's what I'm saying. They, everybody is, I think everybody is jumping the gun a little bit on Trey Lance where they, he had a great, or he had a pretty okay yardage um, for like when he started couple games last year pretty solid actually touchdown interception ratio the rushing was there and that's really what people saw and why people are so enthralled with him but like I don't know I feel like we're kind of projecting too much or over projecting what he could be for in a full NFL season you know he could be like a top five quarterback he could be another Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, uh, rushing quarterback phenomena. But I think that it's a little too late or it's a little too early to be making these kinds of crazy predictions about Trey Lance. He's a guy that no doubt if Kyle Shanahan were to come out and say tomorrow that Trey Lance is our starter, Trey Lance would be drafted as a top 10 quarterback. I'm completely, completely convinced. Yep, he is 13 in Fantasy Pros. He is right behind Aaron Rodgers. Yep, that's where I have him. People love him. People really, really love him. Just because it's it's the rushing upside. And even, even the passing, even the passing, I mean, if we're looking at where he really stood out, Week 17 versus the Texans, uh, had a QB rating of 116, uh, passing a completion percentage, excuse me, of about 70%. 249 yards passing, two touchdowns, a pick, and then had eight attempts on the ground for 31 yards. But then if you're looking for the upside with what he could do with his legs, he had 16 carries against the Arizona Cardinals in week five. So that's like the kind of guy that we're talking about where he could just absolutely shatter the glass ceiling in terms of what he could do with his legs. I mean, this is, it's a gem for fantasy production if he could if he could turn out to be the starter for for this team and unfortunately with jimmy garoppolo on the roster i can't be set that he's going to be the guy not yet anyway. yeah and i think that game against arizona is pretty indicative on what people are kind of expecting where even if the passing isn't there on a given week the rushing will make up for it where he's giving you like average running back numbers as a quarterback you have 16 carries, 89 yards on the ground. You could that, that's a, that could easily be a running back stat line. Yep, very much so. And what do I tell you, guys? That guys that have the ability to use their legs, they got such a steady, steady floor. Look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts looked inept passing the ball at times last year, but he was running the ball. The guy was a must-start fantasy fantasy option. Yeah, and I don't hate Trey Lance at the moment. Um, and I, I've never really hated Trey Lance, but I just think that the hype 
the hype train's coming up a bit too early. People want to be too early on him. I want to see what he does over the course of a full season, if he is going to be the starter. Um, you know, whether, like, over a full season, how the balance is between rushing and passing also, because that will be also key when you look at where he's ranked and where you're going to be drafting him and things like that. Oh, I'm really excited to, to, to see him in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, I, that is, that is very, very, very exciting to me. Yep. All right. Moving on to running backs. Who do you got? Who, who do you have ranked too low? Uh, too low. I'm going with Ezekiel Elliott and I have him as my RB 17. Everything coming out of Dallas is that Ezekiel Elliott looks great, that he's been doing all the right things. He looks in to be in pretty good shape. And we know what Dallas wants to do. They want to, they want to run the ball. They want to utilize both running backs that they have in Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. And I think using both is actually going to be good for Zeke. It's going to keep him fresh. It's going to keep him uh, not necessarily, you know, bearing the weight of the team's entire rushing attack. It's also good for Zeke that Tony Pollard is being used in other areas of the field. They've been lining him up at slot receiver during um, optional OTAs and, and, and things like that. So I actually think Zeke is going to be in line for a pretty decent season, especially if you can tell me that he could build on the yardage, which I mean, the, the, the story with Zeke from last year was second half of the season. Zeke was just, it was, it was terrible. He just really could not get anything going. Uh, did not have a hundred yard rushing game after week five versus the giants a year ago. And then basically from there on out, his best game of the season came against Philadelphia in week 18 with 87 yards rushing. Like that's not Ezekiel right. Elliott. That's not, not the guy that we know. Um, right, so he was playing hurt. Yeah. Playing hurt. Right. A- absolutely. Yep. Playing hurt. I'm smitten, smitten on the idea of drafting Zeke in an obtainable enough position. I would probably be, I, I would be comfortable if you're taking Zeke around the RB 15, I would be okay with that. Like if you're drafting him, like if, if there's someone that's drafting him in the group of David Montgomery, James Connor, Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, Barkley, and they think Zeke is the best out of that option. They want to go ahead and draft. I have no problem with that. In, yeah. in PPR setups in non PPR setups, I would have a problem with that. I would be taking Chubb. But in half and full PPR, I would have no problem if, if someone were to say it's 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 Zeke and even Barkley as well, for what it's worth. Yeah, for the and Giants think, fans out there, because they said because all the Giants fans say I don't say anything nice about their uh, nice about their team. I would be comfortable taking Barkley in that spot as well. Yeah, and I think getting a, a fully healthy now uh, for seventeen games, you'd hope uh, Ezekiel Elliott at RB seventeen. You know, that's really good value. And I mean, after like on fantasy pros, you know, they have their tiers after tier three on fantasy pros where, which starts with, or which ends with uh, cam Akers, And then tier four starts with the Zeke Elliott at 17. It's Zeke, David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson, Brees Hall, Elijah Mitchell, JK Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne and James or uh, Damian Harris. 
So I think Zeke is probably the – is it a hot take to say that Zeke is the best out of those guys at the moment? No, I don't think it's a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take at all. I would probably even I, – I, I don't – I should be doing tiers at my ranks. That's maybe something that I could uh, I can explore doing. Um, but I would probably say – I don't know if the tier necessarily because tiers – the thing with tiers is that they're very opinion-based. Well, I know that they're like, very subjective. I, very, I very subjective. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Very subjective. But I think that, like, getting him at RB – I guess really what I'm trying to say is, like, getting a player like Zeke at RB17, there's, like – there's a pretty big drop-off, I think, between getting Zeke at 17 and then David Montgomery, who's ranked at 18. Yeah, I would say so. I absolutely would say so. And listen, I'm a fan of Montgomery. I I, I am a fan. I have Montgomery higher than Zeke. But what entices me more? Probably taking Zeke. Yep. And I could say the same thing with Barkley, honestly. What entices me more, taking Saquon Barkley or David Montgomery? I think taking Saquon Barkley, I think I think is a bit more interesting because we know if Barkley pans out, which I think with a fine grain of salt that Saquon Barkley pans out, but let's just say Saquon Barkley pans out. Saquon Barkley's got top five RB upside in, in half and full PPR. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to clarify once again, fantasy pros defaults to standard, but yeah. uh, looking at full point PPR, David Montgomery is 16. Zeke is still at 17, actually. But uh, Saquon is higher at 12. And then uh, it's Zeke, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, Jacob Dobbins, Elijah Mitchell, and A.J. Dillon. So, like, the players are all grouped in the same way. It's just a matter of the order based on the scoring format. But, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that taking Zeke and Saquon Barkley are way more interesting and have more upside for you. And, you know, you know me, I don't like taking risks, all, risks in fantasy football all that often, but this is like a, I mean, Saquon, maybe, maybe not, but for Ezekiel Elliott at the, at this position, I could take that risk, you know? Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be my lead, right? He's not going to be my RB one. You know, I don't really need to worry all that much, especially if I get, Tony Pollard as my uh, as my handcuff, I think that I, I'd be chilling with that. I'd be happy with that for sure. I'd be thrilled. I would be thrilled with that. Yep. All right. Who do you think you have too high in your rankings? Just mention him, Javante Williams. Um, and for the very simple reason of he's going to be in a timeshare with Melvin Gordon. And when I'm looking at the guys that I have around, David Montgomery. Not going to be in a timeshare, really. Uh, James Conner, I don't think he's going to be in a timeshare. Nick Chubb could be in a timeshare. Zeke could be in a timeshare, maybe. Barkley, no. Jacobs, mm. we know what we know what Josh McDaniels is like. Uh, Patriots, they want to use multiple running backs, so it's possible. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, possible. Elijah Mitchell, possible. Antonio Gibson, yes. Travis Etienne, yes. Damian Harris, yes. Brees Hall, yes. So, really, if we're going off of that, 
Javante Williams, my RB 13, he probably should be lower at probably like my RB 18 or 19 because of him being in that, in that committee approach. And again, I love Javante Williams. I was praying that he was going to be by himself. He's not going to be by himself. He's going to be splitting with Melvin Gordon. And I, I just find it very, very hard for me to vouch for a guy who's going to be in a full timeshare, 50-50 really timeshare, going as a top 13 running back. It, you're taking him in round late round two, early round three. I completely agree. I mean, you look at these rankings and you're like, do people not know that Melvin Gordon signed with the, with the Broncos? Yeah. Because it's like, uh, it's like those people in the Soviet Union and like Siberia who <laughs> still think that the Cold War is going on. Because the, the information hasn't reached them yet. Yeah. He's go, he's being drafted as the RB9 right now, Javante Williams. That is crazy. That is pretty crazy. That's the RB9, crazy to me. That's crazy high. That's absurd. You know, yeah. Fancy Bros has him at 14 in full point PPR. And that's, that's a little rich, honestly. For my book. Um, yeah. But nine... Who is he going over? Saquon, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, falling for obvious reasons, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, Cam Akers. Ezekiel Elliott is being drafted as the RB20. Oh, my God. The value. Oh, the value, Adam. It's a value pick. That is theft. Getting (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott as the RB20 is theft. That is theft. So that is a highway robbery. And for anybody else who's interested, J.K. Dobbins is the RB22. If that, you know, tickles your pickle. Also, what? You heard me. Okay. I've, I've, I've heard you, but I've never heard that idiom before in my life. It's I've a nice little idiom. You've, you've heard it now. I wish I had. I wish well, I could. Can, can you unhear things? No. I, no. <laughs> no. That's because I really want to unhear that. Is that is impossible, sir. That was one of those where I really thought I was going in the way that I that's always gone, which is tickles your fancy, which makes sense. But tickles your pickle? I don't know. That was a was a real curveball. That I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, there's something new every day, Adam. Um, uh, but yeah, I I really struggle with where to rank. Javante, like that's that's a hard one for me. I mean, is he still a top twenty back for you? Yeah, yeah, he's a top twenty back. I think eighteen is probably a good spot for him. Yeah, but it's like the because he can still separate. He can get separation from. Oh, he'll be fine. He'll he'll definitely be fine. But I rank him as the RB eighteen. I know I will never. I'll never get him in drafts that I'm in. I know that. But, but the thing is, is that Melvin Gordon, um, whether he will be injured or ineffective, I think Javante Williams is still going to get like, it's going to be like, I think it's going to be 70 30, probably. I mean, I'm not basing that off of anything I've heard because I'm not an insider. But I think if the Broncos know what they have in Javante Williams and Nathaniel Hackett knows what he has in Javante Williams, I think that this timeshare should be 70-30 or something or or higher. And I hope to God you're right. Because if it is 
I'm okay with Javante Williams as a top 15 back. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because, I mean, Melvin Gordon is kind of, he's just not as good as he used to be. No, and, no, no. Mm-mm. No. And um, I think if the Broncos think that Melvin Gordon is going to go back to 2015, 2016 vintage, although I think, what was it, 15 was his, like, really bad year? Yeah. Or was it 15. 16? 15. Yeah. Um, if they're th- going to think he's going to go back to his 2016 and 17 vintage, then it's just not going to, it's just not going to happen at all. Yeah, no, it probably won't. It probably won't, but I just worry about the touchdown upside with Javante, with Melvin Gordon there, because something tells me that inside the five is when they're just going to put Melvin Gordon on and then, uh, the hopes and dreams of anybody that has Javante Williams is they're just going to want to crawl out of their skin watching Melvin Gordon steal those uh, inside the five touches. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon fell ass backwards into eight rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also got to look at the uh, the state of the team as well. And the team was, you know, not great uh, a year ago. There should be plenty more uh, red zone chances this year for Denver and you know, what do they decide to do with those uh, with those red zone chances? Yes. And you'd hope that they're either going to like Jerry Judy or Corlin Sutton, or they're going to go to Javante Williams. Yeah. Well, also, you know, if you look at, if you look at Melvin Gordon's numbers, you know, since that dreadful rookie season in 2015, he's at eight touchdowns every year of his career, at least. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon could be a guy you want to go and target quite honestly. I mean, maybe I was a bit too harsh on Melvin Gordon because actually he could be in a Nick Chubb cream hunt scenario from two years ago. Oh, I hope not. That would be an absolute disaster. That would be an absolute nightmare for all parties involved. Two good guys. I mean, Hey, if you're going to be drafting Melvin Gordon in the, in the RB 30 range and he becomes that, then congratulations. You've done really, really well. But if you're drafting Javante Williams as the RB13 and that's what happens, then God bless you. You're going to be wanting to just, you know, claw out your eyeballs every single week. That's fair. But I I don't know. It's an interesting scenario where, yeah, it's just we don't know, especially with the new coaching staff and uh, new offense, new quarterback also in Denver. So, a lot of different factors and variables that probably say that's not going to be like it was last year. Correct. Yeah. Correct. All right. Moving on to wide receivers. Who do you have ranked too high? Let's go in reverse. Mentioned him on the regression show. I'm going to say it again. I don't think I need to explain this one too much. Uh, Debo Samuel. I just think him – him coming in right now as my – what I have him down in my ranks – as my wide receiver 10, I think that's extremely high. And I know I'm the low man on Debo. I know that I'm going to be uh, – The consensus a, has him at 10 also. The consensus does have him at 10. Yep. Very, very, very interesting. Who do, in who do they have like at 7, 8, 9? Who do they have? I'm curious. 
Uh, one second. Sure. So, seven, eight, nine. Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. Mike Evans, Keenan Allen. I, it's that's the same for me, just in a different order. I have I have uh, Keenan Allen at seven, Mike Evans at eight, Tyreek Hill at nine. Do you want to know five and six for shits and giggles? Yeah, hit me. Stephon Diggs and CD Lamb. I have CD at six. I have Jamar Chase at five. Interesting. Jamar Chase is at three. And I have Diggs at three. Well, there you go. I have Diggs at three. I'm actually pretty close in my uh, in my ranks to moving um, Devontae Adams to five and then Chase to four. Okay. I mean, to be, to be fair, though, the, uh, actually, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put Chase at four and Devontae Adams at five. Uh, but three, four wide receivers, three, four, and five are pretty interchangeable to me. Yeah, they're all pretty like, equally good players. Yeah, it's like you have a tier. You have a tier cutoff, three, four, five, tier, and then CD, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Tyreek. That could be another tier right there. Yeah, actually, well, we don't need to get into that. I mean, the tier, I guess the tier uh, for fantasy pros is one, two, three, four, tier cutoff, five, six, seven, eight, tier cutoff, nine through 16. So that's how that goes. Yeah, but with um, Devo, with Devo again, it's it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, you can go back and listen to the regression show. I don't want to, you know, truly repeat myself, but I just expect mass statistical regression coming from Devo Samuel across the board. And um, who doesn't? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a cha- that's really a chance I want to take um, as a top ten receiver. You know, taking him in basically the top two rounds. Yeah, I mean, he's a number ten receiver. He's around guys that have proven success over multiple seasons. If Debo Samuel does this again this year, then yeah, I'll draft him this high. Sure. sure. Like if we're still here in 2023 talking about the wide receiver prospects here, mm-hmm. uh, I would absolutely draft Debo Samuel if he does what he did again. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I agree. But you, it's the old adage. Do it again. Just do it again. Do it again. Yep. All right. Well, who do you have ranked too low? Might shock some people. And I'm, I'm going to say this, given you know I've blasted him countless times in the past. Um, I did have somebody else down for this, but I'm changing my answer on the fly. Hollywood. I think I'm actually pretty low on Hollywood and. I want to be low on him. I want to preface that. I have him as the wide receiver 26. I want to be low on him because I genuinely believe that when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, that's kind of where Hollywood is going to be as like a top 30-ish receiver. But who's Kyler Murray going to be throwing the ball to when DeAndre Hopkins isn't there? So should I should I really consider Hollywood being a top 24 receiver to start the season. And if Hollywood is great, those first six weeks without Hopkins, he's going to get targets when Hopkins comes back and he should be startable. If, if all goes according to plan without Hopkins. So yeah, I think I could be low on, on Hollywood. Now I know it's crazy for me to say, but this is just my own, you know, retrospective take right now. I could be low on him. 
Well, according to Fantasy Pros, you are alone because they have him at 22. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And I think that really this is kind of something that's interesting that we always talk about this stuff. And I think like, oh, we should have a discussion about that. Where like, how do you rank players like backups or wide receiver or second on the death chart players who you know are going to be uh, thrust up to the starters role because of suspension? Not injury per se, but suspension for a fixed amount of time, like Hollywood Brown, like, let's say, Mark Ingram. Yeah. It would, Let, if, or, if Alan Kamara gets suspended, Mark Ingram, yeah. Jacoby Brissett, um, if Deshaun Watson gets suspended. Well, that'll uh, be for a year. That'll be for a year. But, it, you know, you won't have Deshaun Watson uh, coming back. But if it's if it's a six game, then then sure. But I think it's, it's easier to do it with quarterbacks because quarterbacks are just so replaceable. Like, Jacoby Brissett, in desperate situation, you could play him for six weeks, then drop him in 10 or 12 team leagues and pick I somebody mean, else up and be good. Yeah, and obviously, I think I think people are going to be ranking Drake London differently because Calvin Ridley is going to be suspended for the year, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but they also have they also have Drake London, and a lot of people are very high on on, on London. Yeah, but that's an interesting take, and I think that honestly, that'll be an interesting mailbag question if we got somebody to at, somebody asking about that, like how do you rank players when they're filling in for somebody who's suspended compared to players, you know, are gonna, who, you know, are going to have uh, can continue or continued consistent usage throughout the whole season. Right. Right. But anyway, that's good. So let's go on to tight ends. I think, is this, was this the easiest or the hardest position for you to pick players that you ranked either too high or too low? The tight end was pretty easy. Tight end was, was, was pretty easy. All right. Well, I'll leave the honors to you. Uh, so you, do you want, want me to do start? high? You want to do high or do low? I just I asked you. Oh, you're going to leave it to me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm asking you to pick. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'll do, I'll do high. I'll do high. Um, I think I'm pretty high on Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson. And for I have me, no idea why, because I, I don't know. Well, I, don't see I have him as the tight end eight. I think that's, a, that's too high personally. Cause Chris I want to see it. I want to see it first. David seven. Yeah. He, he should, for me, like, I, I get it. The talent is extraordinary and he should be drafted. I agree. But what has he done to prove that he's anything more than just a streaming option? And it wouldn't surprise me if that's what Hawkinson turns out to be just a, a, a good tight end that turns out to be like a, a Mike Kosicki, where people are, you know, it's not uncommon to find Mike Kosicki on a waiver wire halfway through the season. I wonder if that's what TJ Hawkinson could potentially become where should be owned in most leagues, but you'll, see him more likely than not in shower shallower leagues uh, on your waiver wire. Yeah, honestly, I don't really see it either. I mean, he had a pretty solid 2020 season. And I think that's really what 
um, propelled him up the rankings, but really, did he have, like, some of his game logs just did not look good at all. Um, you know, a 3.3 point performance in full PPR against Washington, uh, 9.7 against Jacksonville, 1.8 against Tennessee in fantasy semifinals, 6.3 in fantasy championships. I don't know. I I see it sort of because like the upside is there, but also I think this is like speculative anything where you're picking TJ Hawkinson, hoping that he'll be something that he isn't yet. Well, it's, I mean, it's also looking at what the Detroit offense is going to be, right? I mean, you know what you're getting out of DeAndre Swift. Uh, you kind of know what you're getting out of Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but then outside of that, it's, you know, what else? What else really? You got Jameson Williams that's coming into town. You know, TJ Hawkinson has had his own health concerns. Uh, you don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. We don't know, right? We don't, we don't really know what the future is going to hold for a player like Hawkinson. And that's why, you know, if we're going week to week, Hawkinson, you know, he, he kind of is a touchdown or bust kind of guy. Well, it's like most tight ends outside the top four, top three, really. Right. Right. He, he really is a touchdown or bust kind of guy. And, you know, we just got to keep looking at it. Like it's kind of what he probably, what's what his ceiling is for being, you know, honest. Yeah. I mean, last year we were all, we were grouping him in with those guys with the top three or four where it was Kelsey Andrews, Kittle, Hawkinson. And it's like now with the season gone uh, with the, you know, way after the fact, months after the fact heading into a new season, we're like, no, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. You know, it might like he just isn't like it's he's not there yet. He could be, but he's not there yet. Right, right, and he could be. He could be like we we could be talking Hawkinson as a, he he also could be a breakout candidate. Like I, I just want to put that out there. Like he's got that potential, um, especially at a very shallow position like tight end is. Um, yeah, but. You know, is that something you really want to, you know, be taking a risk on, uh, given given the extensive history, uh, injury history that Hawkinson has? And we're looking at where he's being drafted. He's being drafted as the tight end seven right now. So he's kind of in that range of like Schultz, Schultz and Schultz, Goddard, Ertz, which is kind of, I think, where he should be. Yeah, I think I, I would take Schultz, Goddard. And Ertz over Hawkinson. I have it. I have it as Schultz. I have higher. Goddard, I have higher. And then Ertz, I have below. But I am going to move Ertz higher. So, yes, I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, that more might also be personal. Because like I had Hawkinson last year, and I was like, and it was not fun for me at all. Because, or was that last year, or was that two years ago? That was last year. That was last year. 
Yeah, it was last year because he didn't – it was not in the non-pro because, I, yeah, he didn't play. Like, he was pretty bad where he only had double-digit points in three weeks. Uh, excuse me. He had double-digit points in a fair amount of weeks, but, like, he had a zero against Pittsburgh. He had three points in week three against Baltimore, 4.2 against the Vikings. Uh, yeah, and then he was – hurt and he was shut down for the rest of the season so right um yeah so part of that's kind of like yeah i got burned by hawkinson i don't want to deal with that again but also you know, you're looking at the stats you're looking at the the evidence that says that he might be good but he might also just be a guy in a sea of guys in a sea of tight ends yeah it's true it's yeah true. All right, who do you have to love? Uh, Cole Komet. Here I fucking we go. knew it. I back knew on the Cole, I Back knew on the Cole Komet train. Um, yeah, he's a favorite of mine. And I think there's a ton of targets that are going to be available in Chicago. There are a ton of targets that are available in Chicago. And I think he's going to be – he is the number one tight end now that Jimmy Graham is no longer with the Bears. So if you're looking for a tight end that is going to be cheap, and there is just tremendous upside with him. Yeah. Cole Komet, I'm loving. I'm loving him right now going as the – let's see. Where is he being drafted? Tight end 13. Yeah, he's basically in the streamer territory. I love that. Yeah, and especially a Bears team that is kind of hurting for weapons at the moment. Cole Komet could be that guy as like a number two option alongside Donald Mooney. Right. Yep. And, you know, for, for what it's worth, the Bears may not be very good. So you also have to consider that they might be passing a ton. And if they are going to be passing a ton, then that's going to be good for the prospects of Cole Komet potentially catching. You know, maybe his upside is 50, 55 balls. So if that's the case, then you're talking about a guy, if he can get you seven, eight touchdowns, boom. He's going to outperform his ADP. Absolutely. And also, he is due for incredible touchdown regression. Because you know how many touchdowns he scored last year, Bird? Take a wild guess. How many touchdowns he, did, did Cole Komet. Komet score last year? Yes. I know this number, too. It's um, pretty notable. Is it zero? It is zero. It is zero. Okay. That's Not one. Yeah. Not one. And he played all 17 games last year also. So he, he's due for some positive regression on the touchdown front. And he, I think – Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say so. Like uh, if I go into my projections, I have him down for 65, 65 catches, 673 yards, and four touchdowns. That's not that's, bad. That's baseline. That's baseline. Like he – he can be a six, seven touchdown guy. And that can vault and that'll vault him into the top 10 for sure. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just because of how, how, you know, shallow tight end is. Yeah. He'll Maybe be not the top five, but top 10 for sure. Top 10. Yeah. Top 10. If he, if he could be, um, you know, 65, 675 and seven, 
Yeah, that's good for that's good for top ten. Yep. And a very decent return when you're drafting him at 137th, 138th overall. Oh yeah. I mean, you're this is you're paying nothing to draft a guy like this. Bingo. And you're gonna and you have nothing to lose if he's good or bad. Or if he's bad, you have nothing to lose. It's it's a free pick. You know, it's a lottery ticket. As you like well, to say. well, it's it's like the Deshaun Watson conversation that we had at the beginning of the show. You know, you're taking Deshaun Watson on a whim right now without any real knowledge of whether or not he's going to be suspended or not. And yes, he is going to be suspended. Let's make that perfectly clear. But if you're drafting right now and you want a true lottery ticket, it's Deshaun Watson. Same thing with Cole Komet. You know, it's well, going to cost, cost you nothing to do it. They'd be going in the same range, round 14, round 15. And if it doesn't it doesn't pan out, they're going to be like every other 14th, 15th round pick that you have. They're going to go back on your waiver wire, and that's it. Yeah. I think part of it's also just the, the amount of games. Also, Because Cole Komet is in line to play all 17 games. And Sean Watson, we don't know. So that's, true. That's true. Cole Komet, Cole Komet could be playing 17 more games than Deshaun Watson might this year. <laughs> yeah. So that's something you have to think about because at least if you fail on Cole Komet, you might get some value, some points. But if Deshaun, if you pick Deshaun Watson in the 14th round and he ends up being suspended for the year, you get literally nothing for that. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Bingo. And, and especially, a, yeah. Especially at a position too where most, most managers are doing one of two things, right? It's either they're taking the cream of the crop tight ends of Kelsey, Andrews. Maybe if you want to put Waller and Pitts in that conversation as well and Kittle, fine. You know, they're drafting one of those guys. Or if they're not getting one of those top five tight ends, odds are they're going back at the bus and then they're going to take a chance on a Cole Komet, on an Irv Smith, on a friend of ours, Albert O, Albert Okwigunov, or Hunter Henry. You know, they're going to take a chance on, on one of those guys. Yeah, or they're picking all of fame tight end Hunter Henry. I I I I may add, or they're going in the middle of the pack and taking guys like Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. True, true. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll be, I, I like I said, like I've said a thousand times in the show, um, I will be all over Dalton Schultz every every single draft where I could possibly get him. I'm going to be all over him. I think I'm going to go. I'll probably be in the middle of the pack. Also, I think I'm honestly looking at Zach Ertz this year. Like especially with DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended, yeah, and he's I like he's like round play. ten, round eleven right now, pick. which which is great. Yeah, which is great. But I mean, if if you're sitting in round eight and you don't really know what to do, and you're set on going back of the bus for you know a quarterback, and you want to wait for like an Aaron Rodgers or a Trey Lance or a Derek Carr, then a guy taking and taking like a Dalton Schultz could be could be a good alternative if you're sitting there in round seven, round eight, and you don't really know what to do at that point. Yep. And because actually, a Dallas Cowboys tight end always has 90 targets when Dak Prescott finishes the season. Yes. And, you know, we'll see some more drafting strategies, current drafting strategies now, once we re- once we get me up and report next week, and we'll have our mock draft show. And then we'll also talk about Obi Wan because we've been teasing <sighs> it for so long. What a series. What a I know. series. It's so good. I love it. Well, I'm a big uh, fan. So 
before one more thing before you wrap up and then we we get out of here i want to put this out to everybody so if if you have not seen the end of obi-wan and you have not seen the last episode call it quits right now stop playing the podcast you're done i'll give everybody five seconds five four three two one okay I watched, this is on YouTube. I will send it to you, Adam. And for everybody listening, go check it out. Somebody on YouTube dubbed the last episode fight scene between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader to Battle of the Heroes. Adam, I shit my pants. I That sounds incredible. I defecated everywhere. I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I, I want to watch that now. I uh, really want to watch that. I, I will find it and I will send it to you. It is beautiful. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Otherwise, we'll be here for the next hour talking about Obi-Wan. Okay. So we will talk We will talk about Obi-Wan. You'll be hearing uh, that episode will be out on Friday. So um, that episode will be out on Friday. And on Wednesday, you'll be hearing a uh, BTP from uh, Jake and I. So that'll be... Uh, That'll be out on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Yep. Well, I'll, I will also agree that Obi-Wan is fantastic. But, you know, we'll save it for uh, next episode, next show. But thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast. Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes where we get your podcasts for my co-host at Birdsaw. I am Adam Castro, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.